Today, we want to go over the long gone summer and why MLB is to blame for the steroid era. What's up, everybody? Hey. Welcome to the show. Um, it is Tuesday, June 16th. So that won't be relevant if you're watching this in the future. But um, yes. today, we're talking about the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Long Gone Summer, and why we think MLB is to blame for the PD, PD era, not the players. So, long gone summer, Luis. Was this supposed to be a Maguire and Sosa documentary or just a Maguire documentary? Let's, let's let's just get this out of the way right off the bat. You know, after watching the Michael Jordan Last Dance, right? It was about it was mostly about Michael Jordan's legacy. We get that, but it it also revolved heavily, 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 like on that '98 season and all the all the drama that went along with it. I kind of thought this documentary was going to be about from Maguire's point of view to Sosa's point of view to the fans point of view. But it was it, to me, it was really most mostly just about Mark Maguire's like rise to to the home run record. That's basically what it was. Um, I, w- I was expecting to hear more about the 98 season in general, like the 98 World Series being swept like the Yankees sweeping the Padres and that night being so exciting in comparison mm-hmm. to you know, the home run chase. But yeah, I was a little disappointed that it was just mostly Mark McGuire's career recap. You know, Sosa was just kind of playing second fiddle. I, I kind of didn't like that. I felt like they equally had just as big as impact on, on the on the fans and the sport. So, yeah. And just the title itself is like is like we, we, we talked about this a lot with the Michael Jordan documentary about how the last dance we kind of thought it, it kind of made you feel like you were just going to focus on the 1998 season, the last championship run. But really, the documentary was about Jordan's rise through the Bulls system and turning that system into a dynasty. And it felt like unfocused. And I felt the same way. Actually, I didn't think this documentary was unfocused. I think the title made me think something. The title and the, and the, the trailers that came out before it made me think one thing and then when when I watched it I felt a completely different thing. Like I felt like it should have been called like Mark McGuire's, you know, how being, Mark McGuire broke the record or something. You know what I mean? Being Big Mac or something. Yeah. Being like, Big Mac, right. Yeah. But it, but I felt like and maybe this is different for us cuz you know, we're of Dominican descent. Um but Sammy's rise from the Dominican Republic from from poverty to the the best player MVP in 1998. Um seems like a better story to me you know what i mean and i feel like mm-hmm. a lot of things were left out of the documentary like like small things like they completely glossed over the fact that sammy played for the chicago white Sox. did you notice yeah that? like we learned <laughs> we learned we learned about all about we learned about all about mark mcguire's like bash brother yeah days versus like he was a pitcher in high school all we learned about sammy Sosa is yeah he eventually got traded to chicago or landed in Chicago from the White Sox and that, you know, they show a little clip of a bunch of, you know, a couple of Dominican kids playing Bidija in the, in the, in the street. It's like, yeah, he was a shoe, shoe shining kid. And I don't know. Kind of crazy. Um, and, and whatever, but, but I feel like Sammy did some work in this documentary and, and he kind of moved me in a certain direction. So let's, let's just get to it right away. Um, the first thing is, I felt like PEDs were going to play a bigger role in the in the doc, and it didn't. It only they only talked about it for like the the last fourteen or fifteen minutes of the movie, and that's it. 
Um, but in those 15 minutes, Sammy said a few things that that made me feel like kind of kind of emboldened the way that I've been feeling for a long time. Like I used to think, just let these guys into the Hall of Fame. But I understand why the writers don't want to vote for them. Like they did cheat, blah blah blah. But really, did they cheat? Uh, first off, Sammy's name was leaked in the New York Times article in 2009. Uh, his name was associated with a failed test in 2003, the anonymous test that Alex Rodriguez. There he is. There's your mention for you for today, Luis. Alex Rodriguez was in that same list. Manny Ramirez was in that list. David Ortiz was in that list. I have to throw in some Red Sox players. You know what I mean? Um, and so on and so forth. Um, so Sammy appeared in that list. But anyway, Sammy says... And that list was about uh, 106 player. It is about about four or five, maybe more than that, in, in the Hall of Fame. So you figure it out. And then he goes to say... But why did they worry about me when putting my everybody... Everybody in that era did it. And I think he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. I don't think anybody prior to 2003 when they started testing. Actually, they started testing in 2004. 2003 was the survey test. I don't think anybody before 2003 is above suspicion. I think that if you're a player during that era and you took PEDs, you were no different than any other player in that era because... Baseball didn't test you. So how could we, the fan, or us, the voters of the Hall of Fame, decide who gets into the Hall of Fame and who doesn't? Um, I don't know if you have anything to say in regards no, to that. No, yeah. Not, going, like, building off of what you're saying, like, prior to 2003, no one is above suspicion. Like, just look at Mark McGuire's case. He was taking something that was over the counter, and he was taking it while he was with the Cardinals. And he said he took it to recover from injuries, that he had so many injuries, he needed something to help him recover, right? Now, just imagine, like, being a a younger player in that organization, looking up to Mark McGuire, he's doing this thing that clearly, you know, it's it's just over-the-counter. It doesn't look, it doesn't seem like anything is illegal, obviously, it's over-the-counter. And it just seems like that validates other players doing it. So I could just imagine how many players took took some sort of substances, didn't put up the numbers that they put up, but because others were already taking it since the 80s and the 90s and all this stuff, it just feels like it's part of it. Like, it's like, why wouldn't you take something that's over the counter if it's over the counter? Like, And not just that, but, but MLB itself was complicit in this whole thing. So uh, just a little history lesson real quick. In 1990, Congress passed the Anabolic Steroids Act. Before that, you could use steroids... There were no laws against it, nothing. Nothing in baseball, nothing anywhere, nothing in the world. You you and I could go get jacked back in the 1980s, CT, and that would look kind of funny, I think. But anyway, <laughs> when that act was passed, a year later, MLB Commissioner Faye Vincent released a memo. And in that memo, he basically banned the use of steroids in the game of baseball. But do you know what he forgot to do in that memo? In a memo, not a fucking rule that was agreed in the CBA. <laughs> do you know what he forgot to do in that memo? He forgot to tell the players and the personnel, which is what he refers to in the memo, how he's going to catch you if you take steroids. He all he says is it's banned and if you get caught, you will you you risk being ex- uh, expelled from the game. But never says we're going to test you. We're going to check your lockers every three days or whatever. He basically just covers his ass. He covers the ass of Major League Baseball, the ultimate CYA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we know this because 
we did an interview with this uh, FBI agent, Greg Stayskull, a year ago, um, where he revealed to us that when the FBI conducted an investigation, they found that this guy, Kurt Winsloff, was dealing steroids to none other than Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. This was in the, 90, in the early, uh, late 80s, early 90s. In 1994, Greg Stayskull himself told the representative of Major League Baseball. August of 94, and the reason I know that is because uh, I told you I used to make the presentations to the football team here, and I made them to other teams and other sports, you know, um, professional sports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were back for what we call an in-service for, for training back at Quantico. And um, uh, I'm blanking on a name here, Hallahan, uh, but I can't yeah. remember his first name. Kevin he Hallinan. was head of security at the, yeah, Kevin Hallinan. He was back uh, representing Major League Baseball, and there were people from uh, NBA, NHL, uh, NFL, and some NCAA people. Anyway, we're having this big sort of a seminar kind of thing. And uh, I was up in the what they call the boardroom, which is just, uh, you know, kind of a bar at Quantico. And a bunch of us were sitting at a table, and I got in a conversation with Helen, and that's when I was telling him about the steroid stuff. And I had written an article for the uh, Law Enforcement Bulletin, which is the FBI magazine, and I had mm-hmm. written this big article about steroids, and I... I showed it to the guys at the seminar and so we got into this conversation about steroids and that's when i told him about it what what we knew what did baseball do nothing absolutely nothing so they let, they let all these records get broken they looked the other way this could have been their opportunity to bring bring this to the players um under the you know quietly not to the media not leaked or whatever and it wasn't but it, it was their opportunity to go to the players and say we got to deal with this problem because if this shit blows up, like the, the sport's going to come down. Um, but they didn't do that. Um, so they didn't do anything. And it, not only that, they waited almost a decade to finally do something about it. It was in 2003 when they started to test players anonymously. And, and part of that was to, f- to see that if 5% of players tested positive, then that would trigger mandatory testing starting in 2004. And 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 what they found was way more than five percent of players tested positive. And I named some players for you already: Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez. Mad players were in that list. Um, so baseball, baseball didn't. Not only did baseball not do anything about it in a way, I feel like they kind of they were complicit. They were like. You know, it's like when it's like if if I go rob a store and I say CT, be the lookout. Let me know if the cops are coming. Um, I don't know, hit me up or something so I can leave or whatever. You're just as guilty as I am because you're involved. You're complicit in the crime. So is Major League Baseball. Yeah. And I want to say, too, that I think steroids were, like, synthesized, like, in the early 1930s or whatever. So I'm not saying that since the 1930s a regular baseball player had access to these drugs, but synthesized in the 1930s, from the 1930s to the year 2000, Obviously, things became more available. Players started using them a lot in the 80s. So I'm just saying there was a lot of time since the actual testing of steroids. So we really don't know, like, who was on what. Even if they just used it to grow extra hair in a certain side of their (laughs) face or something. Like, chemicals were used. Things were enhanced. We don't know. I'm saying that since we didn't know, 
as much as we can say, oh, this player never was never uh, accused or whatever, we, we can we can say the same thing on the other side. You know, since we don't know who was accused, just let these guys in. Yeah. Again, nobody's above suspicion. Nobody was tested. We have no idea who was actually taking steroids during those years. And according to Sammy Sosa, who was in those locker rooms, everybody in that era did it. And, and he's not the only one that says that. There's a lot of players that say it. A lot of people were doing steroids. Um, and then there's something else that baseball's complicit in, and this has nothing to do with the players. This is something that they have total control over. And we saw this resurface again in 2017, 2018, when the home run rate was being obliterated. In the book, baseball, uh, the baseball stunt scandals and secret, the secrets beneath the stitches. Author Zach Hampel um, tests, not tests, he proves a couple of theories that had already been out there. Billy Koch of the Toronto Blue Jays, a closer in 2000, took one of the baseballs and he took it apart. And he found that the rubber, the core of the baseball, he called it a super ball. It was almost made out of rubber. Like he could bounce it and it would bounce right back up. Like those gumball machine balls that you get or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, no pun intended. He found that there was a study done by Dennis Hilliard, the director of the crime lab at the University of Rhode Island. He got five different fans from 1963 to 2000 who had caught five balls to donate their balls. No pun again. Um, and he found that the three oldest balls, the three oldest cores, one from 1963, one from 1970, and one from 1989 bounced an average of 62 inches when dropped from a height of 182 inches, right? The two newer balls, one from 1995 and one from 2000, uh, bounced an average of 82 inches. That's a 32.3% increase. So the balls were clearly livelier. And there were stories of pitchers who pitched back in the day who said that when they scuffed the balls up, like they rubbed them, they rubbed the balls with their hands. You know, you could just you could just say baseballs <laughs> and this will just save you a lot of, you know, <laughs> that they that they would they would be able to wrinkle the skin of the balls. <laughs> the, skin of the baseballs, man. Just say baseball because <laughs> they were so like they weren't so tightly wound. Now they're super tightly wound. They're livelier. They bounce higher. So baseball baseball's complicit in this and they knew that this was going to be something that people were going to were going to suspect because in that same book they revealed how how um bud selig was donating money on behalf of baseball to universities to conduct studies and stuff to immediately say like if if we find that these balls are juiced like look we're we're trying to we're trying to solve the problem we're donating money here so they could test it we're giving money to this person sandy alderson who was a representative of baseball said in 2000 that it's not the balls that are the problem that it's the pitchers that the pitchers don't uh, pitchers aren't throwing good pitches bullshit we had pedro martinez randy johnson greg maddox tom glavin john smoltz how many hall of fame pitchers came out of that era don't give me that bullshit you're just as guilty as the players are if not worse and the worst part about all of this is that while you're keeping guys like Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and so on and so forth out of the Hall of Fame, Mr. Bud Selig himself, who saw who oversaw this whole scandal, is in the Hall of Fame right now in Cooperstown, being enshrined, being fucking, you know, looked upon as some savior of baseball, when in reality, he's the one that enabled this shit to happen in the first place. And I also want to point something out, too. Like, when I'm looking at this home run, home run record, right? Mm-hmm. Roger Maris held the record for like 40 years. Yeah. This guy never hit 40 home runs ever again in his entire career. Yeah. His career high before 61 was 39 home runs. Right? Mm -hmm. 
after he hit 61, he so he went 30. He doesn't even get to 30. Gets to 39, hits 61, 33, 23, 26. Pretty much doesn't have a productive season after that. So, what what about Roger Maris tells us that he's like this otherworldly talent that can hit 61 home runs in a season? I think like we don't we 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 that number 60 is like a very special number. Like it's it's not an easy feat to achieve. So I gotta be I gotta be just honest, playing devil's advocate. I like to say it. The fact that Sosa had three seasons with 60 home runs. The fact that McGuire had a couple. Uh, did he ever hit 60 again, McGuire? I think he did the, in 99, maybe. Okay. The fact that he got to 70. The fact that Bonds got to 73. Yes, all this took place in the steroid era. I think there is some justification in thinking that these numbers are inflated because of steroids. But at the same time, like we're talking about 40 years, not one person ever got to that 60 number. Yeah. You know? And, so and, and there are other factors too. The stadiums are different. The stadiums are are more home run friendly. Stadiums are different. The balls could be juiced. You know, players are are taken care of better. Whatever. You know, I, there's just so many different factors that honestly, man, I think we just have to look at the facts that it was an exciting time for baseball. If everybody was on steroids, these are the guys that stood out. So it's almost like an even playing field. And I think that we shouldn't we shouldn't bash them for for achieving these feats. We should just call it what it is. It's just the time in in, in baseball history. We can't ignore it. We can't keep making excuses. Um when you hear Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa speak, I mean, those guys were about baseball as much as we we can't just say that steroids uh turned them into what they were, you know? Yeah. A bunch of people were taking steroids. And I think that they dedicated their lives for the benefit of our entertainment in baseball. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't bash those guys. We should we should just call it what it is and honor what they what they were able to do. And to hammer that same point that I've been hammering, there was no testing. So you'd almost be stupid not to take it at the time. I mean, they were they, I remember when the Andrew story came out, the Androstein Dion that they found in, in Mark McGuire's locker. And that was a big deal. But even that's kind of dumb. Like, if there's something that you can get over, over the, the counter, counter, who gives a fuck? Then let them take it and, over the counter. Like, why, got, Why? you know, why? I got Today, there's stuff over the counter that is banned. Why? If it's over the counter, let them take it. You know what I mean? And and I, and I got a question. Like, technology is forever. Technology and medicine keeps advancing. Obviously, the more time we have, the more we can push limits in terms of, like, the human body and all that, all that, all that jazz, all that good stuff. So... If 50 years from now they figure out a way to cure the Tommy John injury or fix Tommy John, fix people's shoulders, stitch them up in a week, they're good to go. Should we ban that from baseball because it's not natural anymore? In order, it's like what's what's natural now? Like it's 2020. There's medicine that can be given to to heal injuries quicker. Should, should, that, Henry, should, it, should Henry Rowan Gardner, Gardner not be allowed to play Major League Baseball because he had surgery that helped him throw the ball harder <laughs> than anybody else? Seriously, though, but like, <laughs> when, when think, like, think about it. If we keep improving medicine and we figure out a way to eradicate physical injuries overnight or something, 
what what like oh shouldn't we be shouldn't baseball players have that since they're getting paid money to play baseball shouldn't we just worry about getting them on the field it's for the benefit of the fan too like for us like for for the yeah. common viewer like i like don't we're gonna there was one part in that documentary where they showed how an umpire kicked Mark McGuire out of a game in the first in the first inning, and the fans were pissed off. That, that kind ridiculous. of illustrates what this whole thing is. We pay it's tickets a... to see the players. You know what yeah. I mean? So so put let the players put themselves in positions where they can make themselves available more often than not. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and and, that, it's that's, not, it's... and, and that's why the NBA has been so successful over the last few years because they've understood. That the product is is the players on the field. They're the ones that that are selling the sports to fans, that bring the fans in, that bring the money in. But I feel like in baseball, it just finds every chance that it can get to destroy its own product. It's like fucking McDonald's saying, "Oh, don't eat my meat because uh, you know Tommy took a shit and didn't wash his hands before he cooked it or something." I don't know Tommy who Tommy is or nothing. But you get what I'm trying to say? Like, don't yeah. diminish your product. Like, fucking well, boost it up. You know what I mean? The- to be fair, the NBA, we found out last week, I think it was, time Time has ceased to feel the same since, since we've been yeah. quarantined, you know, but it feels like, I think it was last week, we found out that the NBA is going to start testing their players for steroids, which I don't understand why it's never been done before, but I think we're, we're going to see some effects, like some, some ramifications that come out of this. But if we ever got to the point where we can minimize injury, and keep players on the field. Isn't that what it is? Isn't that what this is all about? It's not right. fair that Mickey Mantle's career, even though the guy was an alcoholic, like off the field. Yeah. So it's it's partly his fault. But it's not fair that guys like Mickey Mantle uh, couldn't stay long, couldn't sustain their career longevity. It sucks. We can't. Yeah. But that was the that was the 1960s. You know, like. Yeah. Even sooner than that, Dwight Gooden, uh, you know, Daryl Strawberry, just to name a few players from from a more modern era, they dealt with a different kind of drug, you know, cocaine and crack and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but but you know, it goes to the same it goes to the same thing. Instead of in that same memo, had Daryl Strawberry and and uh, Dwight Gooden ha- had they been found to use drugs, and we know that they use drugs based on like just just record. Even uh, Dwight Gooden is still struggling with the, with abuse right now. According to that memo, he, they should have been kicked out of the game, but they weren't kicked out of the game. So, you know, inst- I don't know. I just think that ba- right. baseball has a like a problem with self-sabotage. And that's what the piece that I wrote in Call to the Pen that, that's that's out there is, is about. Yeah. is about the, the sport just continuing to, like, my whole thing itself. is My whole thing is, is that I think Aaron Judge is a good candidate to break 61. Mm-hmm. Given given the plane, the balls are juiced. Whatever, I can't I can't get into all the all the different things between 1961 and 2020. We can we can we can make a list of all the differences between the two eras, right? But if there was a way to keep Aaron Judge on the field, not to enhance his strength, just enhance his recovery time, we should kind of we should allow that because it's all it, that's what it's about. It, it we we didn't have the technology back then, so why are we even comparing it? It's almost mm-hmm. like we can't like what's the real the real record is whoever did it without batting gloves in that case batting gloves enhance <laughs> yeah. your in your your performance you know pine tar enhances your performance the point you made oh, before a good a good a good night rest enhances your performance so yeah. we should strip everybody of the comfortable plane flights the pampering that gets done before and after games all all 
if it's if it's not icing your arm naturally, then we should just get rid of all those enhancements and call exactly. it what it is. But if we have the technology to keep these players on the field, the medicine to keep these players on the field, we should use that. Yeah. Your Tommy John you know? example is perfect. Before before Tommy John surgery, which is named after the player uh, who the first player to have Tommy John surgery, Tommy John, he pitched for the Yankees. He had, I think he had, I think it happened like right in the middle of his career. Had we had the same mentality about time, Tommy John surgery as we do about performance enhancing drugs, Tommy John wouldn't have been able to complete the rest of his career. And I think he's Hall of Fame borderline, or maybe he is in the Hall of Fame. I, I am not sure. I can look it up really quick. But that surgery allowed him to remain on the field and continue his career for many more years. So why can't we look at PEDs the same way? And, it's like and the bridge, and, like we're we're yeah, advancing as humans. Exactly. To, and to, and, yeah. I, and I'm not I'm not saying illegally. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying do what Sammy McGuire did or and get it from some shady ass dealer on the side or whatever. Get it from a prescri- from a doctor, a medical professional. Professional? What the fuck is that? Professional who can oversee what you're taking and make sure that you do it in a healthy way. Like, what's so bad about that? You know what I mean? People I say almost... that HGH is a miracle drug, that it literally can, like, the fountain of youth. If done properly, it can ex- it can expand your life by multiple years. Like, why not find a way to make it safe for people to use it? And you know what? I would almost even say if it's something that boosts their energy for the day, let them take it. You know, like it's giving us the best product. We will see baseball at its at the best form that we can make it. It will be the best of the best, healthy longer, playing at a at a high level uh, for a longer length of the season. We might see some records broken. Maybe forty home runs becomes the new thirty. You know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna it might inflate some numbers, but you're still gonna get the best players outperforming everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Trout. It's Mike Trout is still going to be the best player in baseball. I doubt that any form of like recovery time and energy in a game is going to change that, especially if he's going to be on it too. Like, yeah, I'm with you, man. I don't know, man. So, overall, what would you rate the documentary? I'm gonna go six out of ten. That seems fair. What about you? What about you? I I like I, sometimes this probably isn't a good thing, but I I tend to judge a movie by the first ten or twenty minutes. Like usually when you watch a feature film, like a regular a regular movie, not a documentary, they try to hook you within ten minutes, and I felt like this didn't do a good job at that. Like it felt very traditional baseball, and I felt like this. This story is not traditional. It's about a modern thing. Like, it felt like Field of Dreams to me when it should have been more... What's that sad movie with Keanu Reeves? Hardball? Where they, you know, they had the hit music. It was... You felt, like, alive. You know what I mean? It was very slow-moving. Cornfields. You know, suburbs of Illinois. I wanted more... Give me some... 98 was was awesome music. There was awesome music at the time. Give me some hip-hop. Give me some... You know, yeah. make it more fast paced. Show me more of the home runs. Um, you know, and that kind of that kind of turned me off. And then the the, the whole point that Mark McGuire was about Mark McGuire was the Mark McGuire documentary. Like, yeah, fucking don't and don't don't trick me into watching this shit. If you're going to, you know, they had same. They had same. Yeah, exactly. They had Sammy Sosa say about like on six different occasions, like I'm number two. I'm number two to, to Mark. Just remember that. It's like, 
Bro, Manny, uh, Sammy, <laughs> you 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 had just as much impact as Mark McGuire did. He just ended up on top. You had the lead at one point. Stop yeah. playing second fiddle to this man, all right? If if we like, want to be honest, the Dominicans for the most part, I'm gonna say it. They own the sport. Like like Dominican Dominican players probably have per I don't know pound for pound the best stars. players in the game, right? More superstars. And I feel like we didn't really get a taste. We didn't really acknowledge that as a country or even as Dominicans until Sammy Sosa put us on the map. Because, exactly. yeah, you had Vlad at the time. You had Pedro Martinez Manny. at the time. Manny was there at the time. These were all beasts. But Sammy Sosa, you know, he talked Took about on. Dominican Republic. Like he, he said, yeah, Maguire is the man here in the United States, but I'm the man in the Dominican Republic. And that's true. Yeah. And, and it gave people like us a face to root for in the game, even though we've been a part of the game for a long time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's super impactful. And like, like I said, I feel like his story, now that I know Mark McGuire's story, Mark McGuire's story is interesting, but I feel like Sammy's story just, it's just as interesting, if not more than, and I feel like he was just an obstacle for McGuire in the movie. Not, yeah, to me, not like, to- not like, like, in, I'm sorry to keep talking about it. Like in some movies, there's like, there's like a B story and a, a story and a B story. Maybe McGuire could have had the A storyline. And Sosa could have had the B storyline, like the Godfather. Like you have the modern day times and you have the the back in the day times. You could have told both stories, you know, in a parallel universe or whatever. You know what I mean? But they didn't just, do that, and that board. Not me. just that, not just that, but it's like you said, it was it was more about Mark McGuire. I was expecting more of 1998. What was happening at the time? Yeah. What were people? What was politics like at the time? We mentioned that baseball was was never recovered from the '94, but then. This home run chase. Okay, but who else? Who were the superstars at the time? Like, show me the league lead. You know, paint me the picture of the 1998 season, beginning to end, and romanticize the home run. I feel like we they talked about the home exactly. run in the beginning, how special it is. You never know when you're gonna hit one, and those they sprinkled in a little bit here and there. But I was expecting to see like a montage of these guys yeah, going back to back to back, and and not just them, but who hit the longest home run that season or. Who won? Who won? Sammy Sosa won MVP. We know that, but like, who won Cy Young? I don't know. I was expecting to see like a trip back to 1998, and what it was was more just like looking at 1998 in 2020, which it it's a little different. Yeah, I'm with you. So yeah, I, I think I give it a six to five or six because I, it it did bring me back, and that that was. I think 98 was probably the year that I really fell in love with baseball, like like where I really became a super baseball fan. And I think that this has a lot to do with it. Cause I, re- I remember those conversations. Did Sammy hit one today? Did McGuire hit one today? I'd get the newspaper. Fucking, I still have them somewhere in this house somewhere. Um, you know, so yeah, no, 90, deny that. 98 was definitely a, a season where I like, it's, it's, it's not the way we should look at life, but it's the season where I realized like as the Dominican descent, it's bigger than just, you know, it's bigger than the sport. It's like a culture at this point. Yeah. And Sammy's also responsible for that, which is why I never speak ill of these guys because they serve their purpose as a, as a young fan. They hooked me in. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we should celebrate that. They, it's not like they com- they're committing murder in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's not like they're well, laundering the, the, legal money, even though some have, I think, baseball players in the past. The narrative was that they cheated. And baseball didn't help itself to try to make an argument that 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 maybe it was cheating, but it improved the quality of the game. So let's instead of 
let's punish these guys, which, yeah, they should be punished if they're doing it illegally, if they're breaking a rule. But instead of that, maybe we're going to we're going to we're going to donate this much money instead of donating money to do quality control or to to save face. Donate money to do research to find out how could we use these things safely so that we can continue to have this quality of baseball moving forward so that 60 home runs become the next 50. You know what I mean? Because let's let's be real. It's more entertaining that way. You know what I mean? It's like exactly. The, it's like the three point the three point line made the made basketball more entertaining. It expanded the court. It made it more competitive. It you know it gave people more opportunities to be more competitive. Um, do the same for baseball, man. It's it's just more and let's be real. Baseball over the last few years has been more entertaining because there's been more home runs. There's been more yep. strikeouts too, but you know we're checking up to see how long Joey Gallo's home run was last night. Or, or yeah. that wouldn't have happened five years ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's it. Long Gone Summer. It's on ESPN+. Plus. You can go check it out. Um, I'm go 3 on Twitter and Instagram. That's Hova Mojo on Twitter. Follow the show at WT The Show on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks. Peace. Out.